Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Reveille United Methodist Church. My name is Bayo Ogimbade, and I am one of the associate pastors here at Reveille United Methodist Church. I am so grateful to see you all this morning, whether you are in person and or online. I am happy you all are here. Before we get things started, I have a few quick announcements I'd like to share with you all. So the first thing is that our lead pastor, Peter Moon, will be continuing our series on hard questions. And today's hard question will be, is there only one way? So we'll spend some time talking about Jesus being the way and the truth of the life and how we wrestle and reconcile that question. It'll be a great sermon for you all, and I hope you all will be excited for it. I also want to share that we, just last Wednesday, we had our first version of the two-part series on Grief Through Hope. It's a workshop series that we've been having here at Reveille, 5.30 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall, and there's a free dinner involved. We had our first gathering last Wednesday, and we are continuing that gathering uh, this coming Wednesday. And we'll be talking about post-traumatic growth. So last week we talked about loss. This time we're talking about growth. It'll be a great opportunity to get involved. If you want to get involved, feel free to look in your bulletin, and there is information for the sign-up genius. And again, as I said, there is a free dinner. From what I've heard, we're having pizza. And I know we all love pizza, right? All right. Lastly, and this one's important. So on February 14th, which we all know is Valentine's Day, is also Ash Wednesday. And there will be two opportunities to get ashes, both at 12 o'clock and 5.30. We will be hosting these services in our chapel. And listen, I know you all probably have your dinner plans and all the things you want to do, but there is nothing more romantic to me than looking at your spouse, partner, and saying, baby, from dust you are, and dust you will return. So... I hope you all will join us at 12 o'clock or 5.30 in the chapel. It'll be a great way to start off your Valentine's Day. Take it from me. With all that being said, may the Lord be with you.
Friends, I'd like to now invite you all to rise with me in body or spirit, and let's do our call to worship. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Let us continue in worship together with our first hymn on page number 185, When Morning Gilds the Skies.
Let us continue to praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by saying our words of prayer of common confession together. Gracious Lord, this day we come face to face with the one who claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. We confess our sin to you. At times, we have proclaimed this truth with arrogance. Other times, we have, in fear, failed to proclaim it at all. Forgive us and lead us into a deeper place of understanding and commitment to the one who is the way, for we ask this in his name. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. And through grace, all we have to do is follow the path. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now, friends, as people who have been redeemed and reconciled and forgiven through Christ's blood, I invite you to exchange signs of peace with one another. And I also would love to invite our children and our children's director, Karen Rios, up to the front. Good morning. While all of our children are coming up, I would like to invite any of you who are visiting with us online, and if there are any children present, please move a little bit closer to your screens because this time is for you as well. Well, you know, this morning, as I was thinking about what to do, sometimes we get help, and, and I had a great idea from, given to us from, from Pastor Pete. And, you know, I wanted to share a little bit about maybe a fairy tale. And some of you, and I want to see if you guys are going to be able to help me out with this. So this one involves two children, a brother and a sister. Okay, we'll continue. Okay, Maddie. This brother and sister were taken out into the woods. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. And so, in the earlier service, somebody said, yes, they got lost in the woods. You know what? Hold on for one second. Bio, I'm going to hand this to you. She doesn't know what she just did. (laughs) 
Alrighty. So they got taken out into the woods and they got lost. And the thing is that they got lost from their father. So actually, I'm going to hand this to Eleanor. And at some point, they started dropping breadcrumbs or they dropped stones. And the idea would be that the stones would lead them back to their father. Do we know what the story is yet? Do you guys know the story I'm talking about? Would you like to help me out with this? The story is Hansel and Gretel. And eventually, they made their way back to their father. I'm going to hand this to you. And so, we can at this point call Jesus that string that leads us back to our father. And that would, he would lead us as the way to our Heavenly Father. If you would all pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, who is that beautiful string that connects us to our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can go back to your seats now. Thank you. Bye. Please join me in praying the prayer for illumination. Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us, may your spirit rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. Today's first scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. This passage is found on page 877 of your pew Bible. Jesus speaks to the disciples at the Last Supper after foretelling his betrayal. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, 
Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, reading the very final words in the book uh, from Jesus in chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Will you listen once again for the Word of God? And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord God, as we come to you this day, as we come to a verse that is sometimes challenging, We ask you to speak to each and every one of us through your spirit. Convict, convert, and consecrate for your good and greater glory. For this prayer we offer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So let me begin with a question for those of you who are here today who are older than 25. Okay? Do you remember where you were at 9-11? Do you remember where you were when you got the reports? Do you remember where you were when the towers fell? Do you remember that day? I, I remember a story of a man with whom I spoke. I, I played basketball with him and a bunch of other guys every Monday night for years. And these are not exactly church folk, but uh, we had some great conversations. And one time, knowing I was a pastor, he took me aside after one particular game. And he said, I need to tell you a story. See, he was a, a high-powered financial guy, and he had, he had checked into his hotel in New York City on September 10th, and he was scheduled to have a meeting in the World Trade Center the following morning. He told me, he said, he woke, he woke up in the middle of the night with this intense premonition. And so he checked out of the hotel in the middle of the night, drove all the way back to Richmond, And as he was telling this story, I was trying pretty hard to to hide my skepticism. But then he said, look at this. He pulled this receipt out of his wallet with the dates uh, from the hotel, and he had it there to remind him of that day. 
Well, germane to our question for the morning, is there only one way? I was interested this week to read another 9-11 story, the story of Don Henley. You might know him. He is the famous singer and songwriter for the Eagles. And he told, I read a story about him because on the night of September 10th, the whole group was getting together preparing to record a reunion album on September 11th. And needless to say, um, they ended up having that recording session canceled. They all went to their homes that night. But Don Henley went to his piano, and he wrote the first verse of a song entitled, Hole in the World Tonight. Maybe you've heard that song. It eventually uh, was nominated for a Grammy Award. But it spoke about the hole in the world after 9-11. The song is filled with religious language and not all of it positive. But a sample of the song goes like this. There's a hole in the world tonight. There's a cloud of fear and sorrow. There's a hole in the world tonight. Don't let there be a hole in the world tomorrow. They say that anger is just love disappointed. They say that love is just a state of mind. But all this fighting over who is anointed, oh, how can people be so blind? Do you hear that song? In his perspective, a key reason why there is a hole in the world is because of all this fighting over who is anointed. Is he right? I mean, let's not gloss over that too fast. Two weeks ago, Dr. Carla Works was here speaking about our understanding of the promised land and the role that has in our understanding of the war in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas and in Gaza. And with all that in mind, what in the world do we do with our morning readings? Because in the midst of an increasingly pluralistic culture, in a world that is fighting, in the words of Don Henley, over who is anointed, in a world and culture in which inclusivity and tolerance are increasingly prime values, what do you and I do with John 14, 6? You heard the words. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Of course, our second reading doesn't pull it back at all. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, says Jesus in the closing verses of the Gospel of Matthew. And friends, here's the challenge, especially when we dig into the verse from John. There are some outlier interpretations out there that try to soften the words, but the truth is the more you dive into the verse, the more you dive into the original languages, the more you dive into the context, the stronger the case for Jesus claiming the absolute way amongst other ways. And it's a hard one, but it should not surprise us. When you think about our history, our background, we remember how the Jewish faith rose up, how the Christian faith rose up. Both came to be in the context of polytheistic cultures. Judaism rose up in the midst of cultures that worshiped multiple other gods, as did Christianity. And both claimed, along with Islam later, that these other gods are false, that there is only one God. 
And the point is that these three monotheistic religions of today, they came to be with unique claims as the way amongst many, a world of many ways. At the same time, we cannot ignore the multiple verses, particularly in the Gospel of John, where Jesus uses those I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the way. I am the true vine. The list goes on. And here's the point. Jesus never backed down off the claim. And in fact, he actually continuously spooled it up. And isn't it helpful perhaps to, to at least name the tension and recognize that in that tension, many folks in our world, they choose a different way. If you're like me, you saw a whole lot of this after 9-11, the multiple courses about other religions, the, the sermon series on other religions. I remember that was a season where we had conversations, interviews with Jewish rabbis and an um, imam from the local mosque. But in all of that, um, there was this description of multiple ways to God. And in that context, there are many people who would answer our question of the day, is there only one way? With a polite no. And I think one of the premier illustrations or, uh, of this way is uh, um, the characterizations of multiple faiths in their journeys through the ancient Hindu story of an elephant. I don't know if you've heard this before. But it tells a group, sorry, of a, a group of blind persons who are gathered around an elephant, but they're describing what they feel, right? One holds the trunk and says, oh, this is a, a snake. And one holds the ear and says, this is a fan. And one puts his hands against the, the side of the elephant and says, this is a wall. One says, uh, feels the leg and said, no, this is a tree trunk. And the point of the story is to say uh, an illustration of many different faiths ultimately seeking the same thing, but each facet grabs a different part of the bigger whole. In some ways, that's a helpful story because it keeps us humble. It helps us to make sure that we are respecting other religions. It's helpful to remind us that no one person sees everything. And the humility in that story, it draws us in but we also have to name the challenges. See, that classic story and illustration assumes that all those other religions out there who are seeking the elephant are actually blind. But the narrator is not. He or she sees that it's an elephant while the other poor religious pilgrims stumbly, stumble blindly along. In all gentleness, can we say that this is the challenge, this is the problem was saying that all paths are equally valid. That in itself is the way, and basically says the other religions are not. And if we're honest, also fails to take the weight of other religions seriously. Here's the truth. Every single one of us will choose a way. Every single one of us will believe in a way that is uh, preeminent over other ways. Even if we embrace multiple paths, that's a path in itself. And one of the things, again, going back to that conversation I had with Jewish rabbis and the imam at a mosque uh, some years ago, it was interesting 
how when we had conversations about our faiths, none of them minded in going deeper. None of them minded in acknowledging the differences. In fact, they really respected that. Nobody really grasped hold of that contemporary understanding. Because here's the truth, it's easier to make that claim if you don't dive deep. Every world religion, but Christianity in particular, would agree that, you know, the power to be changed, the power to make change, it doesn't happen when you stay on the surface of the holy writings, whether it be the Quran or the Hebrew Scriptures or the Christian Bible. Most of us know that if you want to find change in the faith, you can't stay on the surface. You have to dive deep. That's where change happens. And with that in mind, what do you say we do that with this verse? John 14, 6. We go deeper with this text. And, and here's the problem. Once you guys dive deep, we tend to look at John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We look at that through an embattled lens of who is in and, and who is out. But can we acknowledge that as we work our way through the verses, that Jesus is not saying here that everyone in every other religion is going to hell. He's not saying that. He's not saying here that there's no truth in other religions. We'll speak a little bit more about that next week. But instead, please note how he begins this reading. The first thing he says in the context, do not let your hearts be troubled. His primary agenda is not about who is in and who is out. His agenda is pastoral, gentle, compassion. And at the same time, in that context of compassion and gentleness, he wants to offer this particular way with clarity and help, knowing our dilemma. It is true. The way through the life, it has exclusionary implications, but it's not first on the agenda. Jesus offers it to give us hope and comfort and power. He offers it to give us a way that really works. Did you hear what he said? When you and I are on this way, he said, you'll do even greater things than I did. When you're on this way, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, he said. Do you see that? The point is, Jesus is the way and the truth and life, but his point is, he is the one you are looking for. He is the one the human race is looking for. He is the one who can fill the hole in the world, but our hole in our hearts this is who he is, and he invites us with compassion and gentleness and grace to follow this way because, indeed, it works when we move and understand the truth of it all. You know, in the last years, we have had a, a strong example of this power of which we speak, a power that comes when we uniquely embrace not just a truth, but the truth. I was reading an old article this week from Atlantic Magazine. I was really pretty surprised by it because even though it did it very gently, very carefully, very lovingly, it still took on Oprah, right? You don't just take on Oprah, but it took on her speech at the Golden Globes a while back. You might remember the story. She was there and a couple years ago and she was received some award, but she made a, a very powerful speech and she referenced the power of the Me Too movement. Remember that season, a few years, especially a few years back, where so many women courageously came forward and named what had happened. 
As Oprah described their work, she thanked them for living out, to use her characteristic and classic Oprah phrase, right, for living out their truth. And the magazine went on to speak of the power of the Me Too movement, but it reminded us that the power of the movement was not really so much because women spoke their truth. The power came because the women spoke up with the claim that their truth was the truth. In other words, it wasn't a matter of equally valid narratives or alternative facts, but the truth, and they spoke the truth, and the world changed. But making that claim, it meant excluding other people's claims on truth. Making that claim was yet transformative, but it was transformative because it was actually true and universally true. But it made people angry. It put people at odds. See, claiming the truth makes people fight over who is anointed. But it also changed the world and established justice and righteousness. See, Jesus' claim in this text is similar, that when we move from understanding him as my truth to understand him as the truth, the way, the life, something happens in our life. There is power to change us. And change the world. But in all of that, it's not just the power that should draw us to the way. It's actually the beauty. Friends, this is what happens when you dive deep into this way, this truth, this life. You find something that actually addresses the real ugliness of this world, the real issues of our own sin. You dive deep into this way, and you see that you and I are yet created with innate dignity in the image of God. You dive deep into this way, and you see that, indeed, we are helpless as human creatures. But you dig deep into this way, and right there at the bottom of it all, you find one word, and it's grace. And grace adorns all the way as we are raised up to the top. Grace is our key word. It's our thematic word. It's a beautiful word. As Philip Yancey famously said, grace is our last best word. You know the story of C.S. Lewis. He was gathered with a whole bunch of different academics and folks at the schools, and uh, they asked him famously, what's the difference between Christianity and all the other world religions? He said one word, grace, grace. And we can't ever forget that. You and I enter into this way by grace. It's not by what you do. It's not about what you are. It's not about a spiritual resume that tells God how wonderful we've done. In fact, on this way, the most powerful thing you can do is like the, uh, is simply say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's why, friends, we can never take this way in truth and love and turn it into an artillery shell. That's why we never let this way be lined with walls. The way is beautiful. But as has been commonly said, when we're walking this way, we're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. And when we preach the way and the truth and life, we aren't lobbing exclusionary cannonballs. We are leaving breadcrumbs that ultimately lead people to Jesus. Let me see if I can bring this home with a story I heard two weeks ago. I had the privilege of participating in the installation service of Pastor Jay Scruggs. He's the new pastor at our partner church, Koinonia Christian Church. And I look forward to hearing his whole story, but I got snippets of it at the service this past week. 
Uh, Pastor Jay had spent, has spent many years in prison. And in prison, he found Jesus. He was from the Swansboro community and apparently was imprisoned out of this community. And I'm not sure of all the things he did prior to prison, but from what his telling, uh, they weren't that great. But what I do know is in this three-hour service, three-hour service, the one thing I remember most of all is what he, the first words he said to his congregation. He stood up there behind the pulpit and he said, you know what? I have spent the first half of my life tearing down this Swansboro community. I'm going to spend the rest of my life building it up. That is why we follow the way and the truth and the life. It's this way of beauty and power, but it's a way that can actually bring it. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what the world is dealing with, that is the claim. That the way, the truth, and the life can actually achieve power and hope and forgiveness and new life in ways that other ways cannot. And it all happens when you and I kneel down and receive God's grace. Well, it's true, friends. Jesus presents himself as the way amongst many other ways. But let us never forget that when you dig down, the image is not exclusion, it is beauty. When you dig down, it's not about how to keep other people out, it's about how to offer grace so other people can find a way that really works. Because in this day and age, we all need it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. come now to lift up our prayers for the church and for the world. Uh, before I uh, share our prayer together, I do have some uh, pastoral announcements to make. Uh, we have had several deaths uh, within our church family that I want to let you know about. Um, Dr. Ralph McMillan, uh, who is not a member here but has a lot of family and friend connections, has died recently. His service uh, will be Friday uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning. Also, some of you may remember Ed Walker. He was a pastor here at our church uh, a long time ago, but his son-in-law has also died uh, recently, and uh, that service will be here on Saturday at 11 o'clock. Uh, and then also um, Jason Takas, who's the husband of Sarah Takas, uh, died rather tragically and unexpectedly uh, yesterday. So we are still uh, working out 
um, services and plans for him. But uh, please keep all of these people in your thoughts and prayers. I will pray for them now, but uh, please keep them in your thoughts and prayers in the days to come. Uh, Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are the way and the truth and the life. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you do not leave us orphaned, but you come to be with us, to guide us, to help us, and to be with us. We pray that all of us would have the assurance of your presence with us. And we lift up these concerns that we have shared this day. We pray for the family and friends of Ralph McMillan. We pray for Ed Walker and for his family in the midst of the death of his son-in-law. And we pray for Sarah Takis and her family. Be with them. Give them comfort Give them strength, give them peace in the midst of their loss, and help us to be a means through which they can feel and know your grace and your comfort and your peace. And we also acknowledge that there are so many people who are also sick in other ways, in mind, body, or spirit. And we pray for healing and strength for any who is sick, who are sick. And we pray for hospitals and doctors and nurses and medical personnel who are doing so much to care and provide healing. And we also recognize that there are many needs in the world around us. We pray for peace in the midst of conflict, especially in the Middle East and Ukraine. We pray for our country and for the leaders of our country, for our General Assembly and state leaders, for our Congress, for our President. Be with them and help them to govern for all people with compassion and with justice. Hear these prayers that we have lifted up to you this day, O God. And now in the silence of our hearts, we lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers this day, O God. Thank you once again for your grace, for your love, for your presence. Bless us and keep us all, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. As we continue to respond to the word read and proclaimed, I invite our ushers to come forward now that we may return to God our tithes and our offerings this day.
may be seated. We invite you now to turn to page 12 of our hymnals as we join together in the great thanksgiving. Page 13. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with all your people on the earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us, as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray together the prayer our Lord taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ is broken for you and for me and for a broken world. Jesus was broken that we might be healed. And the blood of Christ is shed for you and for me and for this world that we might be redeemed by God's grace and set free. I'd like to invite our communion servers to come forward now. And I'll remind everyone that we will serve by intention this morning. We invite you to come down the center aisles. Come with your hands open. We will place a piece of bread in your hand. You can then dip it into the cup and take uh, the two elements together. If you'd like to kneel at the communion rail and pray afterwards, you are welcome to do so. And you can return to your seats by the side aisle. Uh, If you need gluten-free elements this morning, they are available right here in the bowl in the center of the aisle. And if you are unable to come forward, we will have community servers going down the side aisles that can serve you in the pew if needed. Uh, At the end of the aisle, we also have some offering plates. This is our communion fund that goes to meet the needs of those in our community. This is the table of the Lord. It is not the table of Reveille Church. It is not the table of the United Methodist Church. For those who love God, for those who seek forgiveness of their sins, for those who long to live in peace with one another, we invite you to come forward. For this is the table of the Lord, and all are welcome. Come now and taste and see that the Lord is good.
Let us together offer the prayer after receiving you'll find in your bulletin. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Make us ever faithful to your high calling. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is number 715, Rejoice the Lord is King, verses 1 through 3. I invite you to stand and sing as you are able. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, both now and forevermore, as we go in peace and as all God's people say, amen.